This is May 17th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hopefully you've kind of recovered from the Bruins' seven-game loss to the Hurricanes. Not the most fun of times, and it is now the offseason. It's unfortunate, but before we dive into the offseason, I do want to say and give a sincere thank you to all of you listeners. Your support literally makes this happen. Um, Listening every week, interacting with me on Twitter or comments, um, it, it's amazing. I love doing it. And I, I, I seriously appreciate all the support you guys have given me, uh, over the past bunch of years. It has been so much fun, uh, bringing this to you every week. I, I really enjoy doing this same with poke the bear, uh, that we do on either Wednesdays or Thursdays. So much fun. And again, just a, a sincere thank you, uh, to all the great listeners, uh, to all of you guys, uh, out there. Um, but as you know, as you listeners know, the content doesn't stop, continues. Uh, there's a lot of off-season stuff to discuss, and Connor and I sort of hit on this early now. We don't dive super deep into every topic. Some we do, uh, just because, again, like I think we're going to dive a lot deeper in the coming weeks as things become more clear. We kind of just give our first impressions of what needs to happen, and as the title of this podcast uh, says, where do the Bruins go from here? Like what is next? And so I think it's a dilemma and it feels like I say this every off season, but this off season is ridiculously interesting because even the past couple, it was like, they're still competing. They're still competing. Now you need to, you, you, they can still compete, but there need to be bigger changes done. Um, and we get into that in this episode. Remember, our pod Bruins Beat is always sponsored by good friends over at Bet Online. Use that promo code CLNS50. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. You had a long day on Monday. Very long day, to say the least. Tell the listeners what you were up to. Thank I was uh, back in the Bruins locker room uh, for the first time since March 2020. Uh, wow. Yeah, I guess there are some positive take from it. Uh, but yeah, doing uh, the usual me- uh, you know, end of season media breakup day with uh, all the Bruins players. So pretty much a marathon from nine to... 530 in terms of uh stuff Who went so, last last was McAvoy so okay. so uh, an endless parade of usually probably despondent NHL players that talking about injuries or it's only one team every year that has like an enjoyable media day all the other yes. ones are miserable it's either like you didn't make the playoffs and you're pissed or you uh, lose in the first round and what could have been, or it's you like, you know, 2019, you lose the cup and that was the worst media day, but that was a very depressing media day. Yeah. So uh, it was not I, great. I was there for that. Uh, I was not here for this. I was there though for all remember last year. It was all zooms. It was just like zoom, zoom, yes. just, just all day long. Just it was like a Mazda desk. Just zoom, it, zoom. <laughs> Shut up. 
<laughs> it's true. It is true. Anyways, lots of stuff to hit on. I'm going to hit on a few things. We're going to hit on some off-season topics for down the road. Uh, again, a lot of, co- I think, you know, it's funny. We all say our thank yous on Twitter. The content does not end. Actually, it kind of ramps up. Uh, or it becomes more honestly in the next couple of um, weeks and months. And there's obviously a lot of questions, some obvious ones, some not so obvious ones, but I want to start first with the Carolina series. Cause I feel like this wasn't a disappointing loss in the sense that like last year was, how did you lose to the Island? Like, how did you manage to do that? This was more so like they were so close. They couldn't figure out how to win in Carolina. The secondary scoring wasn't there, but if it showed up remotely as Brad Marchand said, you're probably making a real run after. Yeah, I think that's probably the worst part. That's something that uh, March and more or less doubled down and saying today that he thought uh, that if they beat Carolina, they're going to the finals, which shows you what they do the rest of the East. <laughs> but at the very least, I think they'd be considered a favorite against the Rangers, who, again, that defense is not very good. And Shesterkin's been kind of shaky. And then that point again, who, who the fuck knows, right? Like you get to yeah. the third round and whether it's Florida or Tampa Bay, one of those teams is coming Not out Toronto. after going through. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Uh, but whoever's coming out of that in that third round matchup is going through a meat grinder, whether it's who they played in the first round or what I assume is going to be a war in Florida over that second round series. So who knows what happens? I mean, literally look at like just the Celtics right now. People will, you know, you don't see it as much from, I think Celtics Twitter because usually a lot more positive uh, on there, but there's yes. not, you know, <laughs> hopping on the fact that uh, guys like Lowry have been hurt. Chris Middleton, you know, it's not having those qualifiers. You know what? Sometimes luck breaks your way and then playoffs and just being in the chase and advancing. It's enough that you give yourself a better chance to go on one of these runs. So who knows what would have happened if they got that fast. So I think that's what disappointing uh, is when you look at just how the Bruins came up short and it's one thing if you lose in four or five you're like well that sucked or you know a situation where they were clearly overmatched they put themselves right back into it so to lose in in game seven like that where you felt like all right you know it's so lopsided the first three games down at pnc arena like something's got to give did not happen so yeah it's definitely a backbreak when you look at not only the fact of what the path could have been for them getting past carolina getting over that hump but also the fact that who knows how many more kicks of the can you're going to get with this core in place yeah that's the 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 kicks at the can thing we've been saying now for like three years at this point i think the more the more relevant thing at least for now that obviously is one of them but the new thing is like the hurricanes were the better team i don't think anyone like debates that but if you just found a way to get past them like that's the one thing where i think the bruins will kind of kick themselves all summer where it's like if the third line just cashed in a few times more or like if they finish those chances like we didn't do the post game show after game seven. So the curse is over. Your curse is done on the post game show. You're back, baby. You're coming back. Uh, luckily, no post game shows coming up. But um, I think just, you know, you look at some of those missed chances in game seven, you know, Hall and uh, Puck went through Pasternak's legs in the final five minutes. Coil. And coil. And like you had chances there to even the game. Trent Frederick hit the post, you know, and then went the other way and decided he didn't want to play defense. So like, those things, like just if it just broke in your way, uh, we are doing a very different podcast uh, today. By the way, how was Raleigh? It was lovely. I was there for like approximately 16 hours, <laughs> like 2.45 p.m. day of the game. I uh, went right to the arena and then I was up in the air at 6 a.m. the next morning. So it was a quick trip, business trip, Evan. Business but I trip. still managed to get some Waffle House 
at about 12 a.m. I was sharing in the sorrows of most people who are at Waffle House at 12 a.m. Uh, in the immediate, aftermath of a, <laughs> yeah, the immediate aftermath of a, uh, a Bruin season loss. So sorry, went. No disrespect to Waffle House, by the way. Waffle no. House, you've not been fantastic. I'll be in Atlanta at the end of the month. I hope they have some Waffle Houses. They, I I, they, it is Georgia. They will absolutely have some Waffle Houses. <laughs> I will definitely be heading to Waffle House. Um, but yes, it's so funny. Did you go to sleep at all? Barely. No, Barely. not really. Okay. okay. So, yeah. But you know what? Say. Got back to Boston and then fell asleep for like eight hours. So it worked Business out. Business trip. You went there. You have what you do, to do. Mainly go to Waffle House. Boom. Done. Um. Anyways, yes, uh, quite the game seven, quite the series. But again, I don't, I, you know, again, I don't put this on the level of like the Islanders series last year, or obviously the series that happened in 2019. I don't put that near that level. Uh, but I do think, again, disappointing because I think they would have had a, a real shot um, going forward. Now it leads to the offseason, right? The big offseason. And on media day on, on Monday, I don't think it surprised anyone that Patrice Bergeron kind of didn't. Get, you know, I don't think Bergeron was going to come out and be like, yeah, I'm retiring, guys. Or like, oh, yeah. I'm coming back. Like, I don't think the announcement was ever going to come at media day, but it did give uh, some insight into what he uh, his plans are. And right now he's kind of said, hey, look, I want some time with my family, which it, it makes sense. <laughs> it's very acceptable. Uh, but he did say to Matt Porter in the dressing room, this is the benefit of open locker rooms, uh, that he is not going to be heading to Montreal. He said to uh, the Shockies. media that I know. Can you believe it? He said to the media that he does not see himself playing anywhere else. Um, I'm so happy that he shut the Montreal thing down because that was such a load of bullshit from like the beginning of that. That wasn't just like NBC saying it. This has been like floating around for a while now. Yeah, it's the laziest version of like trying to connect the dots when there's nothing there. When it takes, yeah, it's like you're going through like a Dan Flash's t-shirt, like trying to find any sort of connection there. And it does not work. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's one of those ones where if usually you're, you know, someone who's on the outside, not really actually paying attention to the team, uh, which is usually what the recurring trend is. Um, you think like, oh, how that okay. works. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Like Patrice, like, I think he speaks French. Uh, he must be a Montreal Canadiens fan as they, as I uh, was pronounced uh, on the broadcast Canadians. Uh, so, uh, the Montreal yeah. Canadians. That yeah. was the, how I, he said I, it. <laughs> I mean, you look at just that situation of just how lazy those narratives were. Um, I mean, it's been noted time and time again, that Patrice is a, was a Quebec Nordiques fan like growing up. Like it's one of those situations <laughs> where uh, it's, it's just so infuriating because it's just so it's so easily broken down and you look at it uh, with a clear lens and you do a little bit of research and you realize that made no sense. Oh, along with the fact that let's say even if Patrice was from Montreal, that is a dog shit team. Like, Ooh, why? Are you, want, no. <laughs> why are you going there? Like, of all the situations, not the fact that I don't think they even have a lot of cap room. Like, they've got like either dead cap or, or something like that. And also, like, Montreal would probably rather tank. You know what? Probably is a good, best situation for Montreal and a terrible situation for the Bruins is them getting right and Bedad the two years in a row. Like, they're not trying to yes. like get a flashy player like Patrice Bergeron right now. A it makes no sense of it. It's so it's so stupid. It's yes. People are so dumb. I don't get it. And and what, so I don't understand, like if you're a casual fan, right. And you don't pay attention, which is fine. Like you watch the Bruins when they play, like that's totally fine. That's you, right. You might immediately think, Oh, you know, he's from that area. Maybe he liked the Canadians. Maybe that might make sense. Right. But if you just do like five minutes of homework, it's the like, if fans say it, it's fine. Right. But if it's like analysts, people getting paid for their opinion, 
or uh, reporters or whomever saying this stuff, like do five minutes of, do two minutes of homework. You will find that that never made any sense if you just considered facts. Um, and DJ, credit to DJ Bean on the broadcast saying like, oh, you want him to go to the worst team in the league. Like that makes perfect sense. So yeah, that whole thing was a crock. Uh, I'm glad that's kind of done. Um, a lot of weird Bergeron takes. Granted, it's been two, but that's too, too many. You had that on NBC. You had Jermaine Wiggins saying that, uh, was it he's overrated or something? Uh, he's underachieved. Or underachieved. I think it was underachieved, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Wiggy. Uh, appreciate that. That was quite the opinion. Yeah, um, shit. Yeah, great, great job, guys. Anyways, uh, Bergeron did not uh, provide a ton on his future, as again, as was expected. Safe bet. That we'll get an answer this off season. Really safe bet, actually. I don't know if I can beat this safe of a bet. Things <laughs> call it house money, as crazy enough. Bet online is more uh, is more of a safe bet. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year uh, their basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even the next seasons. NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and, of course, your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up today and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Where the game starts. So, Interesting day. Lots of things going on with media day. Uh, Jake DeBrusque was another, is another big off season question. I think there's a lot of questions with this team. Cause you have like, I think even like David Posternock, I consider it to be like a question mark for next season. Um, and, but I, Jake DeBrusque is one that's been odd because he didn't, did he really give confirmation if the trade request was still in? He kind of just said, I'm, I'm going to go home and decide that. Yeah, it was more or less. Like, I, I believe the question was like, have you given any thought about staying here? And I think he's like, I haven't really thought about it yet. So it was more or less pushing that, kicking that can further down the further down the road, I think is more or less what it was, which I would assume means that he probably still has it and he's still probably looking to get traded. But again, even though he probably still wants to, I don't know if either the Bruins are still going to oblige. Uh, it, again, it all comes out. It's so tough to like, map out like a grand scheme or a mock offseason right now because it you can go you're gonna go in two drastically different ways depending on whether or not Bergeron's back or not. If Bergeron's gone, then you sell him for like assets at that point and probably yes. get some a good return. But if Bergeron's back, again, you might have to move to Bruss for cap relief or what have you. But he's also a guy that if you're trying to run him back or try to improve this roster to make another one last run at it, he scored 25 <laughs> goals. Like he's yeah. a top six guy. Like it's not a guy that that you're going to, I think, then just sell for, you know, two, two second round picks. Like, uh, you know, what are you, what are you going to get from him there that uh, falls in line with improving this team for right now to make the most of if Bergeron comes back. So it all, it all revolves everything, not just to Bruce, but everything the Bruins do off of what Bergeron ends up deciding. You're hundred percent right. I don't think either option is blow it up. And I think that's one thing that I've heard over the past couple of days, people you know, on Twitter and radio saying like, Oh, they need a whole overhaul. I don't think people understand what an overhaul would look like. An overhaul mm-hmm. would be, you would take Marshan and deal him for a probably fairly solid haul. He's got a good contract. Like in that world, you would get a lot for him. Would you deal McAvoy? Would you deal Swayman? Would you deal Pasternak? Cause he has one year left on his deal. Like the team would stink. 
the team would be like if, if you are annoyed at being a wild card team, have fun being like Detroit. So that's what I always say to people like who want to blow it up. Cause I, and you've said this throughout the year, like there's a core there. There is a core. They have a core. They have a core that is fairly solid that you can build around. They just need second. They, they need centers. They need top six centers. And again, that is not easy. And we've said this off the air. Like I mentioned to you, like, what about Giroux? And you're like, well, cap space is going to be an issue. It is going to be an issue. I think this team has to get kind of creative with how they uh, divvy out their cap space. You know, I think one area where you can make a move is you have two left shot defensemen in Grizzly and Riley who essentially do similar things. Um, I think given that Grizzlick's probably going to need shoulder surgery this off season, yeah. I think Riley would probably be the more um, uh, valuable yeah. Yeah, commodity for other teams. Uh, I'm curious what you think the direction of this team should be and how you kind of do it. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah, it all lies into what, like even let's say just for the sake of argument that uh, Bergeron retires again, yes. I don't think it's going to be fire sale of moving like Marchand or Pasternak or what have you. Cause as you said, like as how many teams do you see fully blow it up and then it's an immediate return and don't say the fucking Rangers who like lucked into some of those picks that aren't good. Like Lafreniere and Kako are not that good. It's right. like, all right. They also made one of the biggest gambles on a guy like Panarin and it's worked out fantastic like well worth it but like when you saw that contract you're like oh shit like those usually don't work out yeah those usually don't work out and that's one where you're like all right it's kind of like when uh chicago's off season uh last year you're like all right you're rebuilding so you're spending money on these guys like is this really gonna work out and then you had shesterkin who was a fourth round pick i think just go unconscious like that was not a traditional full rebuild uh that new york did even if they had that dumb email they sent out to their people after tim yes. shallow scored on them but like you and look brendan at smith is still in the league somehow which is yes. wild but like look look at um look at detroit that's a team that a lot of history a lot of ownership committed to winning they have a great you know uh management team now with like Steve Eiserman there got good young players like Sider probably should win the Calder. They got Raymond. Yeah. They've got good pieces in place. It ain't easy. That team is still has a lot of young pieces and they were lit, giving up six, seven goals by the end of it. They were getting punked routinely. And that's a oh, proud yeah. franchise. with A lot of good people running the ship. It's not, it's not easy guys. Like again, if they, if Bergeron's not back, it's going to be tough. It's going to be some lean years, but it's all about, I think then, you know, restocking and building around this current core. You have a core in place, which is you have a leg up on a lot more teams, right? It's all about kind of supplementing that, that potential. But again, if Bergeron's back, then you switch it all around that. I, I think you try to find other ways to add to this group, um, which is easier said than done. It's going to require, as you said, probably moving one of Grizzlick or Riley. I imagine Riley probably looking at buying out Felino's contract, which saves you 2 million. You have to look at yep. maybe if there's any other, guys on you know one-year deals that you would would be able to move um you look at even a team like vegas that's trying to you know swap contracts whether you get another guy like a um you know even like a smith or like carlson or something like that like it but it's easier said than done like lat th- this past offseason really hampered them and the fact that they don't have nearly as much cap space or flexibility that you're gonna have to do some hockey trades in order to kind of move this cap in and out. It's not like last year we had kind of a blank check to really try to cover up some of the flaws you had on that team. And I think it's also difficult with uh, with this team because because again, like 
you would ideally let's see let's say Bergeron comes back right ideally you would want to put a real second line center behind him right whether that be Claude Giroux or signing Philip Forsberg but if DeBrus goes you also kind of need another top six wing yeah but if DeBrus goes that frees up cap space so do you want to be adding cap space back again these are not easy decisions these are not easy like thing you could kind of have to give and take I put more I put way more of a premium on like, you need a consistent second line center. Like, and again, Eric Hollow was good during the regular season, but I just think for future's sake, especially if Bergeron leaves, if Bergeron retires and you go into next season with Coyle, Halla, Nosek, like Felino down the middle, you have a problem. <laughs> then it's like, okay. But I, I do think like, I'd like to think this franchise would, if they lost Bergeron, if Bergeron retired, I would like to think they would do something drastic to improve the center position, not blow it up, but like make moves that you could acquire, whether it be a Pierre-Luc Dubois or a Mark Shifley or something like that. Again, that probably requires like Fabian Lysel or maybe Lorai or future first, which you will not, as of right now, you do not have one at this upcoming draft. So like, is it another rebuild on the fly? I don't know. It's it's an interesting case because also like when they did the rebuild on the fly in the mid 2010s, you know, Dougie, like Dougie Hamilton's situation was pretty bad. So they dealt him for a first round pick, right? Cool. Milan Lucic was, uh, was he like a year away from free agency at that point? I forget. Um, I'd have to look at it again, but I think yeah. he had at least he had some term left that's okay. more appealing. Yeah. And he got a, fir- and you got a first for him. And that, again, that was a tough deal to make. I don't know if there's anyone on this roster that you would deal in situations like that to either bolster your draft stock or to add to other parts of the lineup. Like I don't, and maybe I'm too focused on them, but I just don't know of anyone that you deal that gets you a lot in return. That's reasonable. Um, especially if you want to still compete. So that's the issue. Like I don't like Taylor hall. You're not going to deal Taylor hall. Um, and that's again, like that's long contract, all those things. So again, these are things we're going to get into a lot this off season stuff. We got to have, you know, answers for and um again Sweeney said to speak later this week do you it's funny I was thinking about this today on D with the way the defense is and with the way their cap space is I would not be surprised to see them go into next season with Lindholm McAvoy Grizzlick Carlo or Riley Carlo uh, whoever gets dealt and Forbert Clifton I would not be surprised to see that be the six do you see them adding it on D no I don't think so I think you did also just with the lack of cap flexibility you have i'm sure you'd like to maybe add another bigger guy that's why like i think last year i kept on saying like sign a guy like hockenpah like just this big lumbering dude to have out there i don't think you have that uh flexibility to get a guy like that at this point so whether it's having that six guys you mentioned or even a guy like uh like zaboral who signed a two-year extension that again he he had that uh acl injury but he was playing really well like it's really it was a shame that he went down with that injury that who knows? Maybe he's a guy that steps into that role and becomes a, a very strong, you know, third pairing guy or a depth guy. I think when he got hurt, he was also on the right side. Like he can play the right side as well. So if Clifton, who again, I think was playing good hockey at the very end of the season, but has his ups and downs, I think over an 82 game span, if he is competing for minutes with, uh, with Zaboral and those guys push each other, it's a good thing. It's a good problem to have. Right. So I, I think, Right now, would you like to maybe add a piece or two? Yeah, of course, if there's anyone out there that's like a cheap value add. But I think right now your priority has to be fixing that that uh, forward core or bracing for whatever happens if Bergeron's not around next year. 
Yeah. No, I, again, I agree with you on this. I don't think there's any change going in net. I think Swayman and Olmark are going to be the guys going into next season, especially given Olmark's contract. Um, I think D is fine. I think, again, it comes down to your top six. Um, I'm curious if they may, I mean, again, Curtis Lazar uh, is a free agent. Sounds like Anton bleed probably isn't coming back. Uh, given that, you know, he says he does all <laughs> no, so. <laughs> us in the press box with us. Can you believe that? With, with us, just want to sit with us and watch the game. Ridiculous. There's so much money, too, to just sit with us and watch the game. Um, and have some popcorn, or as Marshan says, the snack bar. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, I'm very intrigued by what they're going to end up doing up, up front. Because things have to be done. This cannot be an internal competition thing. Like, we see, we hear so often from Don Sweeney, oh, we're going to let, you know, remember, like, after Char and Krug left that offseason the next year, oh, internal competition will decide uh, on D. That went really south. There, there should not be internal competition up front. There should be a defined one and two C. And again, because like, as we've said, your top six wings, Marshan, Pasternak, Hall, whether it be Lysel or whoever, like that's a good top six bunch of wings. You have one problem though. <laughs> Who the hell do you put between them? And that's why, I mean, again, I think if Bergeron uh, comes back, I do think going out and signing a guy like Drew if you can find a way to make it work, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but again, like his, you know, his money's going to be high. Andrew Cop's money's going to be high because these guys just had sick uh, numbers when they went to their new teams. And that's the other thing. Like, that's why free agency is so dangerous because you're paying these guys so much money. Um, and it's tough to tell. Again, like Jeru's a little bit more stable with points, but like, would you pursue like an Andrew Cop or would you sign like Philip Forsberg to a big long term deal? Yeah, I mean, I think it all just depends on what what the long-term view is, right? Because if it's one of those guys like a cop, I don't know if that's a guy that moves the needle in terms of building for that next generation. Like cop, maybe you add to put you over the top if Bergeron's back, but let's say it's it's one where you're – like Foles World would make a little bit more sense in terms of like a, a legit franchise piece that you add to this core, kind of like Lindholm where, you know, you got maybe four or five years of elite play from him and you're trying to win then. Uh, when a guy like, let's say McAvoy's 27, 28 as well. But um, it, I mean, it's tough. Like this for agent class, you have some good solid pieces out there. It's just how much cap flexibility do you have? Because again, like, let's just say a guy like Forsberg, great player. Bruins fans would love him. I'm sure there'd be probably some Bruins fans would be pissed because he's too, too flashy. He's not, he's not gritty enough, but Doesn't legit talent. Like he is a, he is a beast. Um so I think that's one situation you, you'd look at it in that way um, where if you're trying to sign these guys, you have to get very creative because uh, you're not moving out. You know, even if you want to buy out Felino or move a guy like Raleigh for peanuts, you got to still move more, more cast space. Cause also don't forget, like if Bergeron comes back, what's he signing for? I don't think it's going to be his current contract, but I don't think, you know, Bruins, you're going to hear like some people call probably call into the radio, be like, well, if he signs for like, one one million or something like that, like Rass. It's like Chris Bergeron, if he comes back, is going to be coming off of winning his fifth Selkie. He's still an elite yes. player. He's not signing for a million dollars. So <laughs> there's a whole lot to juggle. I mean, again, it's there's so many things that uh, there's so many things that you can roll through in terms of how this offseason is going to pan out. And all again, it all revolves around the next step that Bergeron wants to take, whether it's go back for 19 season or, or hang up his skates, which he's already accomplished quite a bit in his career. So uh, all the power to him, but we'll see what happens. I will end on this. Do you want, do you have a official opinion you want to tell people 
about Bergeron? Do you think he stays? Do you think he goes? Or do you not want to give it yet because you haven't come to a conclusion yet? Because there's a uh, lot of there's a lot of beat people and a lot of trusted people who are saying that they think he's done. Yeah, and I think that is a that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, um, I'll say right now I'd probably put it at like fifty five that he's back and forty five that he's he's not back, which is pretty pretty close, right? I think that's it's one where nice. if you ask me, like let's say back at the start of the year, like back in September when he first mentioned it, um, I would be like, oh, okay, he's gonna take his time, but he'll sign a one year deal. Like he's still probably good. And then you like as the season went on, you're like, all right, well, he's probably gonna win a Selkie. He's still playing on elite level. Like if Patrice uh had was dealing with a, like a long-term injury or was really banged up at the end of the year or his you know high standard of play was dipping where he was you know played 70 games that had like 40 something points then he'd be like all right like he's not going to be a guy that's going to be a, a 3c when he's 42 right like he's going to ha- uh, hang up his skates before like then Chara. yeah exactly yeah. you know he doesn't want to be like a, a journeyman or anything like that or especially just a guy with a reduced role um, so throughout that process, I was like, all right, I think he's still going to be back, but I think there's just other things that weigh heavily. You look at just kind of his emotions in the immediate aftermath of that game of, uh, Marchand's emotions, especially, uh, being so emotional talking about, uh, Patrice and his legacy and what he did for Marchand's own game. Uh, and just the fact that I think, you know, Patrice is not a, a guy where you can maybe just chalk it up to the fact of, you know, baseline production or money or anything like that. I think for him, it's just whether or not it's time uh, with, you know, his family and all that he's given and the amount of damage his body sustained. Like, it's not something where I think you just look at the bullet points of, you know, money or, or anything like that and have it be the determining factor. I think it's just for him uh, when it's time, it's time. And I think he doesn't, he probably doesn't even know right now. I imagine he's still going to do a little bit of soul searching. So, uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be like, I, again, I have it 55, 45. I, you know, there's other people who have said that they think he's going to retire and I could be like, that yeah, makes sense too. Like it's, it's not one where I think it's leaning, uh, heavily one way or the other. I think it's kind of a toss up right now. Not a safe bet, Evan. Not a safe bet. I think he goes to the Montreal Canadians. No, uh, yeah, that was, that's a bad bet. Yeah, he's going right I to the Canadians. Yeah. I think he's, I think he ultimately signs a one year deal and stays. I think it's very close. So I don't think it's like an easy decision. I don't think he wakes up tomorrow and it's like, Oh, I'm coming back. I think it's going to take time. I think it's close. Again, as you said, would not surprise me if he retired, but I, my hunch is that he does stay. I do think he stays because he is still elite. He is still impactful. He is the captain. I just have a hard time seeing him walking. I have a hard time, uh, seeing him ultimately walk away, but it wouldn't, it also wouldn't surprise me. So lots of things, Connor, this off season, this is going to be a crazy off season. Uh, and we will have you covered with Bruins beat poke the bear. What can people look forward to from you uh, over at Boston sports? Journal? I know you had some features in the works that they're coming. You got media day stuff. You got, I don't want to you promote it. I don't want to promote it. You yeah, no, we have uh, obviously throughout this week, there'll be plenty to break down to comb over with the off season, the next for the Bruins. Uh, as you said earlier, uh, Cassidy will be speaking this week, Don Sweeney, Cam Neely. So a lot of big picture things in terms of what the next step is for this team, which can go in any sort of direction. So uh, a lot of fat, it's going to be a really fascinating off season and uh, we'll have you covered every step of the way with, uh, you know, previews of free agency trades, uh, next steps, all that stuff over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. I will tease this. Connor has a prediction that he told me after a podcast recently that's going to blow your socks off uh, that might be coming soon, whether it be in a story or in a podcast form. 
I hope I was, I'm allowed to say that and that I didn't just, uh, <laughs> do something I'm just scribbling I on my whiteboard. I'm <laughs> ripping on my notes up now. <laughs> but anyways, Bruins beat. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins beat listeners have an amazing rest of your week. And thank you for all your support during this regular season. Thank you.